I must be careful now in my steps. Years of calculations and the stress. My science is waiting, nearly complete. One glass will last for nearly a week. Let me not get down if I'm walking with no I stumble from exhaustion These buckets are heavy Fill them with water I could ask these people But I shouldn't bother You're listening to Ink Studs, and my guest this week is Noah Vanskyver. Uh, Noah's new book is the wonderful Fonte Bukowski, um, which kind of is a beautifully designed thing that fits with all my other Bukowski, Burroughs, and whatever beat books, as well as the masterful uh, St. Cole, which came out in the spring, I'm going to say. came out in January, I think. January? Jesus. Uh, which I really, really loved. Oh, thanks. Um, thanks a lot. Yeah, I was... It's funny because Fonte Bukowski is totally up my alley as far as content. Right. But I got a hell of a lot more to St. Cole. Oh, um, that's good. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. Okay. Uh, as well as Cheer Up from Hick and Hawk and Youth is Wasted from... Ad House. Uh, Ad House. Uh, Blamo from Kilgore Books. And is it My Hot Date? Yeah. From is that Kil- the new one? Yeah. From Kilgore as well. And not to forget... Um, what else? I'm presuming the out-of-print Weekend Alone collections. Yeah, it's gone. Um, which I really loved. And last but not least, the Hypo... Uh, from our good friends at Fanagraphics. Um, you got a lot of comics, Noah. I know, I got too much. I, I was kind of like prepping for this and going through everything, and you're just not slowing down. I don't know. I feel like I should. I don't want to like be annoying. I just do. I don't know. I just like to draw, that's all. That's not annoying. I think that's great. Oh, thanks. Um, 
it, it's interesting though because like I find uh, in a lot of situations, and this is just maybe a just generalized grandiose statement, is a lot of folks really slow down at a certain point. Right. Um, yeah, I'd like to. That'd be great. That sounds really, really nice <laughs> to just like stop and then just go read some Mark Twain books alone somewhere. But you don't. You don't need to. Yeah, I mean, I still have so much stuff I want to do. I'm just doing it, you know? I don't know, just yeah. do it. And we should also mention uh, Rufus Baxter, which you did for yeah. a Denver paper. Yeah, that's the... Nobody's read that, though, except for people in Denver. I read it. You did? Oh, when I would post of course. it? Well, last night prepping for this. Oh, I see. <laughs> well, thanks. <laughs> and uh, the coming up from Alternative Books, uh, Johnny Appleseed, which will be out... I think you're trying for the fall, for winter? Well, they're trying to do it. I think they're going to have it for the spring. I'm supposed to have it all finished by January. Oh, okay. So I'll be working my ass off on that in uh, Vermont. Uh, and we should mention, uh, by the time this airs, Noah will be living in White River Junction as a... Um, what's your technical uh, posting there? Just the... The fellow, I'm just, I'm just the Center for Cartoon Studies fellow for 2016. And so for that, they provide you with housing? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, they, they pay you, so you have to find your own housing with that money. Oh, okay. But yeah. Do you have a place lined up? Yeah, I do. I'm going to be living in the hotel across the street, Hotel Coolidge. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. It's going to be weird. <laughs> is the, the one with the bar in the basement? I hope so. I don't know. Is that... <laughs> I mean, it's going to be like The Shining, I figure, in the winter. It's just going to be like super snowy, and I'll be stuck in this old hotel, and I'll just go down to the bar. Hair the dog that bit you, Lloyd. Uh, I don't know if that'll be a good idea, but... Um, <laughs> I'll I, I kind of look like Jack Nicholson these days, too. I can tell Yeah? Him. Yeah, I'm pretty crazy. Are you letting like your hair grow out a bit? Yeah, like just, balding. Like, I'm up? letting my hair grow out, so it's just all stringy. Nice, nice. So, like, I hope Jack Nicholson, but with glasses. So you're kind of doing like a Chester Brown eventually. Uh, I'll get there eventually for sure. Chester Brown, yeah. I mean, he's kind of yeah. I guess so. I guess he does have long hair now. It's kind of weird. He has amazing long curly hair. It's beautiful, huh? I love it. I think it's luxurious. That's cool. I mean, Harvey Kurtzman's a hero of mine, so I have no problem going bald. Sometimes it's something you got to deal with. It it's happens. The best of us. Um, now you're uh, when we're set prepping for this interview. Um, you're mentioning that it's kind of like a, a check-in with Noah because uh, I first interviewed you in 2009. Yeah, that's right. And then in 2012. Mm-hmm. That's and deep. now it's 2015. Now this wasn't done on done on purpose. It just happens. Yeah, the 2012, I think that was for the hypo when yeah. you were touring. 2009 right. was for Moam, when I first got in Moam. It was before I had even done any books. It was just like, I don't even know, I shouldn't have even been on the show, but I somehow weaseled my way on. Well, you sent me a bunch of uh, early Blambos and oh, okay. a, a CD that was an interview you had done. Oh, that's embarrassing. I never actually listened to it. I'll just throw it away. No, I'm keeping it. I did all kinds of really embarrassing stuff like this back in the day. I I really was annoying. I did like a lot of mean stuff to Tom Spurgeon that I'm embarrassed about because I just wanted somebody to pay attention. <laughs> but Tom loves you. He does now, yeah, for sure. I mean, now yeah, we're best friends. Dude, did you have a point where you needed to like reconcile with him? Like, yeah, I'm I sorry, did. Dude. I said sorry. I apologize. I was just being a brat. What did you do? Just send him a mean letter. Oh. where I drew pictures of him and stuff. I didn't even know what he looked like at the time, so I just made it up. <laughs> and then he never responded, and he would never write about me on, on the comics reporter, and I was like, fuck, man. And then he he uh, sent all, he gave all his correspondence to, I shouldn't even be telling this story, but I guess it's too late now. Uh, he gave all his correspondence to Caitlin McGurk at, at, uh, for the library. Mm-hmm. And she was looking through it, and then she came to me one time, and she's like, man, I saw this really mean letter that you sent to Tom Spurgeon. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I was like, oh, I was hoping you didn't ever get that. <laughs> and now that's kind of like, it's like, I la like, we laugh about it now, but I was just like horrified. Like, that's why he hates me. 
uh, it's just such a fool because you know that's the thing too like when I started doing comics I was out here in Colorado and I felt like I was just doing these things in a vacuum and that like nobody like because there is no comic scene really I mean there's comic artists here but you know doesn't really feel like like if I was in Chicago or something and you'd be around all these famous cartoonists or something mm-hmm. you'd be just going over to yeah go where to make moonshine right or... go hang out I'm Brunetti and stuff so I just felt like I like nobody was like I didn't exist, you know. So then I would try and send my comics out all the time, and I was really depressed at the time because I was working at like a Panera Bread, and I just wanted, I just like wanted to, to feel like I existed or something. I don't know. It's it's really pathetic, but I just did a lot of embarrassing stuff back then. Well, I mean, it kind of worked though, because that's I, how yeah, I guess... how I found out about you is you sending me stuff and you're like, oh, this is cool. Um, yeah. I guess it did. I mean, that's how I got into Moam, which, like, I should not have been in Moam. But I was just so annoying. And I just pestered Eric Reynolds, and then he would always write back, like, here's what's wrong with your comics, you know? And, you just, and, he, and I would just, instead of, like, going away, I would just work on my comics and then send him a new package. And he was just like, God, this kid won't get a, won't get a clue. But do you find that, like, getting that feedback from Eric, you know, helped you? Absolutely, yeah. Eric really helped me out a lot all the stuff he gave me was all really good criticism you know and i didn't get hurt about it i just went to work and fixed what i needed to fix you know so that's why i mean that's and it also developed a relationship with fanographics that i have now that's pretty strong you know i love that i love those guys Mm -hmm. that was kind of the start of it and they've been pretty supportive of you yeah they love me (laughs) (laughs) you know you're going to be going up there uh in a couple of weeks I'm going up there in like a week. Oh, that's right. So are you going to go shoot guns with Gary? And uh, I will if he wants to, yeah. I mean, I, I'm kind of scared of that. Though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I don't know. I'm kind of afraid of guns, man. The other day I was thinking about how I went camping with my um, brother-in-law. And uh, he had a handgun. And he was just sitting there firing off bullets in the forest. And it was so terrifying. It was so loud. and <laughs> so scary. I was like, is this guy going to kill me? What's going on Just here? like random spots in the forest yeah he was just like and i'm just like sitting there by the tent like oh please what's going on jesus that is unnerving he was crazy was there drinking involved as well or i should no you know what he was even mormon too so i don't i think he just had a lot of is that kind of like one of those things like since you don't drink and have caffeine (laughs) you just like you gotta let go go extreme that might be it yeah frightening Okay, so uh, so you're moving to Vermont and hopefully around less guns. Uh, guns? What's that? I'm sorry. You're moving to Vermont, so hopefully you'll be around. Oh, less less guns. Less guns? <laughs> yeah, I hope. I mean, yeah, I know, right? I just want to get a fishing pole really bad and like learn how to fish while I'm there and just spend my time doing that when I'm not drawing. Now, do you have plans uh, creatively while you're there for a year? I know you are working on your Johnny Appleseed book right now. I have a lot of. Yeah, I have a lot of stuff that I want to get done. I want to do a sequel to Fonte Bukowski while I'm there, too, that I have all written out. I know what I'm going to do for it. It's just that um, I don't want to start it because I'm leaving Denver. I'm leaving my computer and scanner and stuff here, so I'd have to wait until I'm around a computer and scanner so I can just do a page every day like I did for the first book. Is part of that because you're going to be living in a hotel room? Just like Fonte? (laughs) Yeah. I wonder you just like that is kind of weird actually, but yeah, I guess I will be Fonte Bukowski for a year, just sitting there angry talking to myself, drinking in a hotel room. <laughs> um, now, one of the things I was thinking about um, while prepping for this and reading your work, um, really focusing on the more recent work um, since we last talked, is I feel like there's and there's been a real change in and what you're creating, um, and how you're putting yourself out there as well. Hmm. Um, and I'm wondering, like, well, like, um, I feel there's more, like, a sensitive honesty right? Uh, now, where in the past it would be, look at me, I'm such a fuck-up. Yeah, but don't you see how that's, like, kind of something that a lot of cartoonists do when they first start out, you know? Like, a lot of cartoonists, I feel like, if they're inspired by, if they're, like, of the crumb mold, like I was, 
uh, a lot of their work when they come out will be kind of like punk rock, like piss and vinegar, just trying to offend you so they can get attention, you know? Mm-hmm. I feel like I did a lot more of that and I did a lot more self-deprecating humor than I do now because it's just like part of maturing, you know, as an artist. Um, I'm like getting older and I'm figuring out more like what I want to do with my art or I'm, I'm learning more about myself. It's just like it happens when you get older because uh, I remember when I would submit stuff back in the day and be annoying editors would uh say to me like well you got to find your own voice and stuff and i would get so angry like, what do you mean i have a voice you know and i didn't realize i didn't i didn't have a voice i didn't see that mm-hmm. but i can see that now looking back at all those like early blamos especially i was just trying to to uh get a rise out of people more than i do nowadays well i feel like you're maybe revisiting some of the past stuff but you're um kind of revising it in a more succinct way as well you mean like um stuff in my sketchbook or something or what? yeah yeah that's true well i mean like, those two sketchbooks had a lot of good ideas that i wanted to go back to because <laughs> like my hot date was in that sketchbook uh mm-hmm. and then so that's fonte bukowski oh that's where fonte started yeah it was in oh maybe i didn't put that in, i think they didn't reprint that but uh yeah fonte bukowski was in one of those it's in the actual sketchbook and then uh i just decided to actually take it on and finish it and I'm really happy I did. <laughs> well, let's talk about uh, Fonte, your most recent, one of your most recent release. Yeah. Is, um, now, you were, uh, I saw some strips about Kilgore Books where you're in there working and you have a lot of people asking for Bukowski. Yeah. Um, now, was he ever an interest of yours specifically or are you just kind of bucking against? No, it, that- I mean, he was. I, I mean, I still like Bukowski a lot. I just, um, I don't have that same like when i was in my early 20s i think i went through more of a bukowski phase where like, i read all his books and i totally fell into the trap of like romanticizing that you know like i'm gonna drink and then and do my my art and then you know like you want to be unappreciated it's like this whole like weird romantic thing that a lot of people do mm-hmm. and i definitely did that so that's how i know that character and then also being a part of comics when you go through like the zine world and stuff you meet a lot of people like that too you know yeah that are all like unappreciated artists and stuff and so basically i'm just satirizing that whole scene now the drinking thing is kind of a continuous thing through a lot of your work lately yeah that's true (laughs) (laughs) i guess that's true wow yeah oh yeah uh Um, saint cole is like pretty harsh i don't know why i wonder why um, I don't think I do. You don't drink too much? I don't drink that much. I go to the bar maybe, you know, twice a week. I don't know. Do you see it as a kind of, um, when you're writing about, do you have thoughts of, like, where does this go? Well, it's interesting just to see, to to explore a character who's, like, trying to destroy themselves, you know? Mm-hmm. I think that's what it really is. Um, plus, it's, like, such an easy, like... This character has to be tragic. How do I do it? Okay, I'll put a I'll put a beer in his hand, you know. Well, it's interesting because you're talking like Saint Cole is trying to destroy himself and then Fonte yeah. is Fonte's, destroying himself yeah. but thinks he's making his life better. Yeah, he's well he's trying to fill that, you know, that cool role. He wants to be the the drunk writer, you know. Mm-hmm. Let's be the next Bukowski. So working on Fonte, uh you're saying that's uh page a day? That you did it as? Yeah, I did it every morning. I was still working at Panera Bread at the time. So, like, every morning um, I would draw it. I would get up early. I would draw the page, color it, and post it on Facebook or t- in Tumblr. And then go to work. And that was just, like, part of my schedule. Were you working pretty early at that point, too, if you're working? Oh, yeah. I was working really early. Yeah, well, I mean, I would go to my shift at Panera Bread started at, like, 11 o'clock. Oh, okay. I just worked the lunch rush, basically, towards the end. I didn't, like have to work a full-time job anymore. Um, Was part of that, doing that while working there, kind of reflective of wanting to get something else out of life? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's what's really good about having a job like that, is that it really motivates you to do other things. And you think, but do you think that kind of resulted in some of the stuff that Fonte Bukowski is going through? Yeah, that's, yeah, absolutely. 
and I even thought of like some of the best uh, pages in that story. I, I would like write down on my lunch break. It was actually kind of inspiring, to be honest. Like you're just sitting there working, and your mind starts wandering. It was really good creatively to have a job like that. Now, you how were you working there till quite recently, or were you able to leave? Yeah, I I quit in January. Okay, and doing comics full time. Yep. Yeah. After that point, that's awesome. Yeah, that's really good. Um, were you finished with Fonte by that point? Yeah. I f- um. Yeah, I was finished with it. I was just like we were doing all the production stuff for Fantagraphics, trying to figure out how to how to put it out in a nice way. I think it, mm-hmm. it turned out good because we did it the same size as like a little pulp paperback book, mm-hmm. and then with like the yellow pages, just like you know, mimicking that whole thing. No, it's it's quite a. Who's the designer on it? Uh, just get them props. Uh, Keely, um, Keely McCarthy, I think. Is that her name? I have no idea. I'm gonna look it up. Really. Oh yeah, hold on, let me check. No, that's what it says. Yes, on the inside. Keely McCarthy. Yes. All right, I just want to make sure I didn't get it wrong because yeah, she did a really good job. Yeah, it was I think really she's neat. relatively new at Fanographics too. And it's very different um, for a lot of the other stuff they've been doing. Yeah, absolutely. I I just my only fear is that like it would get lost on a shelf, you know, because it's so small. But apparently it's doing pretty well, so I don't know if people are finding it. I think people like it because it's just a little book. Yeah, and everybody knows a creep like that, too. <laughs> or has been a creep like that at some That's point. That's true, yeah, that too. <laughs> now, your other, uh, one of the other recent things is the, the Hick and Hawk book, Cheer Up. Yeah. Um, and one of the things I was thinking about is I almost feel like it's a type of comic that you're kind of phasing out of doing. That's so true, man. That is so true. Like, because like, a lot of that stuff was drawn a long time ago. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't do that now, to be honest. That's kind of what I was presuming, because even like reading the intro, and it seemed like it was a lot of work. Yeah, it took me a long time because I didn't. You're right. Like, I just wasn't. I'm. I'm not interested in doing that kind of stuff anymore. But when I first pitched that to him, I was like, on a, kind of. You know, I think I was even drunk when I first pitched it to him. And then, you know, so, like, you know, you'll get, like, a weird whim when you're drinking. Like, you know what you should do, man? I'm going to do, like, the funniest comic book and, like, try and model it after some, like, 90s fanographics comic. And it's just all humor and it's mean and stuff. So then I pitched that to him and then it just took forever to do it because I just wasn't into it. I was doing St. Cole at the same time. I mean, I'm not saying it's not a good comic. I love that comic. Mm-hmm. But I, it's not like I'm, gonna, I'm not going to do a sequel to that or anything. I think I'm done with that kind of stuff, honestly. Do you feel like the same with uh, Blamo and stuff? Like now that you're no, I'll, I think I'll still always do Blamo, but I think Blamo will just you know, I mean, Blamo is kind of a reflection of where I am at that point in my life. Mm-hmm. So I'll still do it, but it'll just change. You know, everything everything has to change. I kind of like that though, like like that you're moving beyond or past. Um, beyond's a bad term, but uh, moving past that. I mean, it's just natural. Exercised it. Yeah. Thank you. Um, now, St. Cole, uh, which, which I really, as I said, I really, really quite enjoyed it. Um, that one, was that the one you were doing online with? Uh, yeah, Joseph Remnant. Joseph Remnant. You guys yeah. were doing the, the blogs. Yeah, and he has his book. Um, I don't even know if he's still posting his pages, but he's still doing it. He's, he, um, I think Fanographics is putting it out, so I'm really excited to see how it ends. How long is his thing? If you were, oh, let's see, probably a little over 100 pages. Oh, okay. I mean, Joseph is one of my absolute favorite cartoonists, and I like. He lives in Los Angeles, and he has to spend all his time, you know, doing work out there in like for show business and stuff just to live. And it's such a shame because, like, I just want to read his comics so bad. I get so excited when something new comes out. He's just the greatest, you know. Mm-hmm. No, I loved. Uh, he did that thing. Was it for uh, what was that magazine? Oh, uh, that weird underground thing. Arthur. Yeah. Yeah, I really like that strip he did. Yeah, he's amazing. And every issue of Blind Spot, I love. They, I mean, he's just like a. I just totally understand like everything he does i'm like oh it makes me want to do work you know he's like really inspiring to me like even cleveland just his art in that it's like one of the greatest harvey picard books mm-hmm. yeah no i uh actually recently got rid of a bunch of the newer picard stuff um just because i don't have room and i kept yeah i understand that cleveland 
Um, yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, no, he worked really well on it, and he's very skilled, and as he would agree, I'd like to see more Joseph comics. He has a, also another book coming out from uh, what is what used to be one of Ventura Press. Uh, oh, uh, Pigeon Press? Pigeon, yeah, he has a new book coming out from Pigeon Press, too, pretty soon. It's already nice. done. Oh, okay. But yeah. That'll be nice to see. I like uh, the stuff that Elvin's been doing. Yeah, he just he just keeps he keeps going. I don't know. Yeah. Um now some of the other stuff I was thinking about the in various things is you're also resolving your past shitty taste in music. <laughs> Are you talking about in my hot date or what? My hot date and um what else was it that had uh one of the stories that was in Blamo I think it was in Blamo eight and Youth is wasted. Is the dude who? Uh, no, that was was that nineteen ninety nine where the guy's really into insane clown posse. Oh, that was um, from Blamo. That was uh, Abby's Road. Okay. Yeah. Were, were you a juggalo at one point? I wasn't, but all my friends were. I never, no, I never got into it. But I, yeah, I, I hung out with a lot of people who were super into that stuff, and that's fine. I don't really care. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, you, I, but I did listen to a lot of really bad music. But that was the thing is that when I was so young, like '98 was, I was really young in '98, and the music then, like the pop music and stuff, was just garbage. You know, it was just like it was like grunge was over, and the the music industry was like struggling to find what like, the next big thing was going to be. So they were just like throwing shit at the wall. So you got like Smash Mouth and like uh, what was that like a bunch of like Euro like dance music that came out like Barbie Girls yeah and there was that one that was like I'm blue da ba dee oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. oh it was just awful it was such a terrible time man and then there was then then what came in next was a rap metal yep it was just awful and that was like the that's where I'm from that's my my era you know you were uh, down with the uh, what was the phrase for Limp Bizkit I can't remember (laughs) <laughs> I had a neighbor that really loved that album. And, oh, like uh, the uh, what was it? Two dollar bill, y'all, or something? Three dollar bill, y'all, or something? Yeah, and he he was my upstairs neighbor, and he'd crank it to get himself psyched up. Oh, that's rough. I know. And uh, I ran into him once because he worked in the same field as me, and he had a job interview, and he actually like sat in his car and listened to it for a while to get him ready for the job interview. Ugh. I mean, I'm not going to deny it. Like, we were skateboarder kids. we totally throw that CD on and, and shred, you know? Yeah. we bring our portable CD player with all the batteries. Now, set up a little you, skateboard ramp. One of the things you're talking a lot more about, um, and I don't know if it was as obvious in your old stuff, was really the intense poverty you had. Yeah, that's growing for Growing sure. up. Um, are you kind of, like, working through... Um, what you had to go through, what your mom had to go through. Um, I just don't want to be in, embarrassed about it. That's all. Yeah. I feel like I should throw it out there. Like, I also think that the people I have like, like a pretty nice little group of readers and I, I want them to like know me, you know what I mean? Like I, I want like that kind of relationship with my readers. I want people to know like that kind of stuff. And then, and then maybe like, they'll relate to it. Maybe they grow poor as well and stuff, you know? I just, I don't know. I just feel like I may as well be an open book or something. Yeah, no, and I think that's kind of, uh, I remember Chester Brown saying something similar about, like, his sheer honesty. It's something that folks that are going through something similar or have gone through something similar will have something to understand. Yeah, they'll appreciate it, you know? Or, yeah, like, I think... It's like when you read a, a book or like a graphic novel that you like really relate to, that book becomes like more special to you. I think that's why like Jeffrey Brown was really popular like early on with that stuff he was doing. Mm-hmm. Like his relationship strips, a lot of people related to that stuff. A lot of dudes. Yeah, and then now I think people relate to his Star Wars stuff a lot too. <laughs> <laughs> It's uh, pretty intense how much of it's out there. There is a lot. It's weird. Every time I go to Barnes and Noble or something, there's a new one. Like I was in a grocery store and they had them. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's kind of next level uh, success there. Yeah, pretty incredible. It's, yeah, uh, and, he's and come very, a long way, you know. And I'm very happy for him. Absolutely, I have no. Pro- I love Jeffrey Brown. I think he's a great dude. 
He's nice. He is a good, good man. Um, and in the past, um, just getting back to you, Noah. Okay. Who's the most important person of the hour? Right. Um, I keep trying to steer it away. Yeah, nor I do. We we just kind of roam. Yeah. Um, is you're also t- talking a bit about your Mormonism right. family background, which obviously because you do, uh, we have mentioned that you do drink alcohol is is not a part of your life. Um, but you in the past have said you're really interested in doing a Joseph Smith. I would love to biography. Yeah, I, I I want to really bad. I plan on doing it. I when I was packing up the books that I'm bringing with me to Vermont. Um, yeah, I have like a bunch of Joseph Smith books and I'm going to start reading while I'm there and start trying to piece together something. Cause I, I don't know. I just, I'm really interested in that. I want to figure out what I want to figure out everything about that church. Cause it's such a weird thing to think about because I think it's like, it's weird. Like, I guess I grew up in a cult, right? I mean, that's kind of a, it's, it's so, it's so intense. Mm-hmm. How long was your family? Like as a generations, uh, Mormon. I think my my parents' parents became Mormon, so yeah, not okay. not too long. I don't know if you've listened to the Mike Elrod interview I did. Uh, no, I didn't listen to it, but I did. He did send me all the Book of Mormon comics that he did. Oh wow! Yeah, he's a really nice guy. He's a really sweet guy. Uh, and one of the things, uh, him being Mormon is like he definitely has a hard time resolving that in some aspects. Yeah, I, I I feel like I haven't been a part of the church in so long. I don't even think about it. It's just like I can remember. I have all these memories of going to church and and like you know I didn't get to go out on Sundays for a long time, but I don't think of myself as being a Mormon really at all. I have like I don't know. It's like another lifetime ago. But it's Are you still interesting to me? Yeah. Um... It's also, I think it'll be neat for you to be working on that in Vermont, which is kind of more closer. Well, he was born in Vermont, too. Oh, was he? Yeah. And then I could go to take a train to Palmyra, New York, over there, where he found the Golden Plates. I mean, it's it's a pretty nice little area there. I could do a lot of research. Where was the, didn't they have like an island or something at some point in one of the lakes? Mm, I don't know about that. I can't remember all the specifics. Yeah. But it's something you're definitely still interested in pursuing. Oh, I'm going to do it. Yeah. Well, I'm excited. Yeah, consider it done. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I want the pages pronto. Oh, don't be beautiful. Um, Do you... Thinking about stylistically, uh, when you're working on different stuff like that, do you want to change up how you're drawing stuff? Well, you should... Always adjust your style for the for the story that you're working on. Mm-hmm. So if, whenever I'm doing a, a biography, so it's, you know when I did the hypo, I tried to make it look a little bit more Victorian, or at least as, as Victorian as I could at that time with my drawing skills. Mm-hmm. And um, for Johnny Appleseed, I'm I'm also doing the same thing, trying to make it look like an old book. And I think I would do the same thing for Joseph Smith. Yeah, I think so because that's I love Peter Bag a lot, but I feel like he didn't adjust his style for that D and Q. Oh, the Margaret Sanger. Yeah, so like visually, it, it's it's odd to me when I read it because it's the drawing is telling me that it's funny, but it's not funny. Yeah. So no, I kind of you know, agree like with that. that. Yeah. <laughs> <coughs> Sorry. You get yeah, high over there. Smoke weed. <laughs> um. Sorry, I just I gotta drink some water. Okay. I'm drinking Seven Eleven coffee. Oh, I was at a Seven Eleven today with my coworker, and we noticed that they now make ramen noodles. Se- they make their own ramen noodles. They have like a little ramen noodle thing 7-11. in the Seven Eleven. You know, they've got their like taquitos and their chicken wings, and it's uh. like ramen noodle station. Yeah, it's you know what happened. It was totally like they hired somebody, some young kid, and he was like, "You know what we need to do?" You know, they're having a big business meeting. He's like, "We need to change Seven Eleven," and then he's you know he's got like all the little slideshow and he's showing chicken wings, pizza, <laughs> like going through <laughs> ramen noodles. Change things. It's disgusting. Um, 
So let's talk a bit about Johnny Appleseed, the book you're working on right now. And this is—is sure. is this your first time working with a writer with Paul Buell? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, well, I worked with—I um, mean, for a longer piece, yeah. But I did some comics for real stuff, like Denny Icorn. Oh, okay. And I did um, so. I did one of those comics for Seth Kushner too, for his like schmuck book. Oh, okay. So yeah, this is the first time I'm doing, I'm doing like a big graphic novel project like this. But I. I like Paul Buell enough to do it. He's great. Um, and he probably, is he doing a lot of the heavy lifting of the research and stuff and kind of setting you up for what to write? Yep. Yeah, he sent me a whole script. He's been working on it for a while. He's been like a fan of Johnny Appleseed since he was a kid. So. Tell us Canadians a bit about the background of Johnny Appleseed. Well, not a lot is known about him. He was a real person. His name was John Chapman. And he was also in a cult. Um... But, uh, yeah, I mean, he was he was not like, you know, he set up nurseries. He wasn't like the popular image is him, like, just walking around throwing apple seeds everywhere. But he would actually mm-hmm. set up little uh, nurseries for apple trees. Um, but apples weren't for eating back then. They were for making Applejack. So it was, like, just for booze. Oh, okay. So that's something I'm learning doing that is that I didn't realize that, you know, people made apples edible by, like, grafting branches onto other trees and, and basically making mutant apples. Weird. Yeah, it's pretty fascinating. It's pretty interesting. But I'm only, like, 50 pages into the book, so I got so much work to do. Um, tell me about the style you want to use for that book. Well, just a cro- lot of cross-hatching. Mm-hmm. Kind of similar to the hypo, but better, because I'm a better artist now, so no more four-fingered hands. And, uh, I might do it in color. I'm not sure yet, though. I don't know. <laughs> You're getting more comfortable with Photoshop? and Yeah, I think so. I mean, I just had... Uh, what happened was I was dating this girl who showed me how to use layers in Photoshop. <laughs> <laughs> I had never known how to do that. And then that, like, totally revolutionized my art. And, like, uh, all of a sudden I was like, wow. And, like, my, I, like, came up with all these new techniques for coloring stuff. And, yeah, so it's all thanks to her. That's funny. Now I love it. Um, now, uh, St. Cole, um, it feels very different than any other book you've done to me. Yeah, that's true. Um, and it's, it, I'm really interested in where it's coming from in comparison to that other work. Like, um, well, I hadn't done that much work before that, really, when you yeah. think about it. You know, I mean, I'd done some, some Blamo comics. That was like the first um, full-length story that I'd ever done that wasn't just a short story in, in Blamo or something. But Did you have it finished? You didn't have it finished before Hypo, though. Well, no, I started working on it after the Hypo, but the Hypo was a historic book. So yeah. I, I didn't really have to write a book there. I just was taking pieces out of history. Yeah. This is like something I actually just like was writing while I was working on the hypo and uh I mean I think it's pretty similar to like a lot of the characters I'd done before you know it is basically like Abby's Road it's just like a loser character but I wasn't I don't know I just wanted to do like kind of show that like middle America hopelessness where like you if you don't go to college or even if you do go to college Jesus you know you're working at a pizza restaurant you're working some shitty job and you're not making that much money, but you still have to be a grown up. You still have to take care of all your responsibilities and how much pressure that could be. And, mm-hmm. what, you know, how you could go wrong with that, basically. And this is kind of reflective of your time in the Panera Bread. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I totally understand those feelings, man. I didn't become an alcoholic, but I mean, I see how you could. Um, so, no embarrassing situations in the walking at work. No, I didn't do any of that stuff. <laughs> I don't know where That's that came good. from. It's <laughs> a uh, small character, I guess. So it's your first long or your longest fictional work. Did you kind of have the general idea worked out then? Because you were posting pieces online. Yeah, I knew exactly where it was going. I mean, I even the very first page that I posted for it on the internet like shows like I knew exactly how the ending was going to go. Mm-hmm. I had it all scripted out in a notebook, and I was just like, I wanted to work on it so bad when I was doing the hypo, but I just couldn't, I didn't have the time to do it at that point. So like, it was like the day I finished the hypo was the day I started St. Cole. 
Do you think uh, it's important for you to have that book so people don't just presume you're going to be another autobio slash historical guy? Yeah, I think so. I mean, well, because I'm not. Because I want to do, I don't want to be any of those guys. I don't want to be like pinned down at all. I just want to do whatever I feel like doing. Mm-hmm. So I'd rather be that kind of a cartoonist. Like, you know, what's interesting is that, like, do you see that for the new Dan Klaus book, he's doing some like time travel thing? Yeah. That's such a weird thing to do. <laughs> when I saw that, I was like, that's actually really cool to do that because after doing Mr. Wonderful and Wilson, people are like, oh, he just does these, you know, people will pigeonhole you as that, you know, like you do these old man, bitter old man comics or something. Mm-hmm. But and then to just do this whole other thing, it's like such a, it's such a brilliant move. I'm excited for it. And then one of the pages that they posted is just like, some guy ejaculating. <laughs> I love it, man. I'm excited. It's, uh... <laughs> so will we see a sci-fi time traveling story I, from if you? If I had an idea for one, absolutely. I would do it in a second, absolutely. I'll do whatever I want. <laughs> All right. So working on St. Cole, um, how is it for you doing multiple comics at the same time? Do you kind of do them in a way to use different parts of your brain? I think it's easier so I don't get bored, that's all. Yeah. If I work on one project. Well, well you're saying you do like Fonte in the morning and then the evening you would work on. Well, on the evening I was probably work I was doing um I was actually in the beginning stages of um Johnny Appleseed, I think, at the same time, and then I was doing like a you know, a bunch of short stories and whatever other stuff I had going on at the time, I can't remember. But I always have a bunch of things going at the same time. You know. I do like a lot of sketchbook comics at the same time too. I don't work on anything else. Do you have any plans of releasing any more sketchbooks like you did? Mm, not really. Not right now. I don't. I might. Maybe I'll change my mind, but I don't know. I, I would probably do it with uh, with Fantagraphics again or something. If I was going to do it, I would do it with Fantagraphics. I mean, mm-hmm. just to get more. Just to get like a nicer looking book out. You know, you're not too into the high gloss no, paper that was used. Nope. Uh. <laughs> um now the other one of the other things like you have so much like i kind of and i mean that's one of the things my brain's like okay you got this book this, this, this. you also have rufus baxter that you've been doing yeah that's done i'll never collect that though that's just such a so that's a really obscure comic and that was that i get the feeling that that was just like um not pre-planned at all just kind of each week just yeah kind of exactly wherever it goes <laughs> well what happened was i was i've been working for that newspaper i just quit a couple of weeks ago and it's it's lame to to have quit that job but i had to but uh i had been working the, for them since 2008 just doing a weekly comic mm-hmm. and i was doing this one called four questions where i would just interview a different band every week and then draw it yeah draw out the interview and uh and they did that with cartoonists too yeah, I did some cartoonists too. Um, but then what happened was my editor quit and I've got a new editor. And that guy had seen the Fonte Bukowski stuff that I was doing on Facebook and Tumblr and stuff. And he was like, I want you to do something more like that for the paper. Like, you should serialize a story like that, but make it about music. So then I just did like a, you know, an old rock star basically who's like on a road trip visiting people from his past and like making amends. And I did it every week, but I mean, I didn't really know how it was going to end, but I did an okay job ending it. I think I'm proud of it. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it. Um, but I don't think I'm ever going to collect it or anything. I'm why just, do you feel so disconnected from it? I don't know. I just didn't feel like, see, that was the thing about doing that newspaper strip too, is I was also, I was always working on my own books and then I had to stop and be like, Oh crap, I have a deadline for this thing. I just didn't, uh, uh some of it's funny, but some of it's not that good in it. I just don't think it's worth collecting. I don't think it would be a very good book. I don't know. I'd have to. I would have to go in and fix a lot of stuff mm-hmm. and change stuff around. But I'm just not interested in doing that. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to leave it alone. That's kind of done. Yeah, it's done. It's over. Um, now, did you quit because you wanted to be able to focus more on your stuff, or is it just because you're? Well, I had, you it's because I'm moving, and they wouldn't let me stay there. <laughs> They're like, you have to be a Denver cartoonist if you're going to work for us. And so I had to, I had to leave and that was harsh because I, you know, I, I, I'd like so much. I love that paper. They took really good care of me. They did like a lot of great things for me, mm-hmm. but 
and also I guess it was time anyway and and now they hired like a new cartoonist and that's good because he can get his name out there in the city and stuff do you know who it is yeah it's my friend Carl I'm actually the one who introduced him to the editors it's Carl Christian Krumpholtz he was like an old slave labor graphics cartoonist oh wow yeah well it's nice that they're still supporting cartoonists yeah how many how many cartoonists these days get to have a newspaper strip that's such a rare thing um none that are doing anything as uh edgy yeah that's true you have to do like a political comic or something either a political comic or something that makes people feel good yeah that's true kathy oh i guess the kathy's not even around anymore god damn how old no back jesus yeah Time to quit. <laughs> Comics are done. Comics are over. <laughs> um, now, the uprooting to Vermont, uh, you've lived in Denver most of your life. Well, no, I've lived in Denver for 10 years. Okay. Most of your adult life? My whole comics career, I've lived in Denver. And part of that was, uh, that's where you met uh, Johnny Porcelino. That's right, yeah, he was living here at the time. And uh, he was a really big supporter Um for you. He was my mentor. He still you, is. You you were just visiting him to go to uh space in Columbus, right? Yeah, we hung out in uh Wisconsin and then drove to space, did that, and then came back, went to Madison. It was a fun trip, man. It was really good. Um, does he still kind of guide you in a way? Like Yeah, I mean his he has really good taste. He knows exactly what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. And so I always listen to what he says about comics. And absolutely, early on, because he, uh, I don't even know why, he, he just like took me under his wing back then, you know? Yeah. And like we would just go on long walks and he would like explain stuff. I mean, he basically, he was the first one to let me know that like you shouldn't be doing comics with the intention of making a career or something, you know? It, like if that happens, that's nice. But yeah. you really shouldn't, that's not what it's about. And that, you know, there isn't really a lot of money in it and stuff. And I don't know, you just gave me like a whole different perspective on it. Did you have this idea in your mind that one day I'm going to be Chris well, Ware? And not Chris Ware, but I wasn't, I just thought that, I, I, for some reason I thought like if you did a graphic novel, that was it. You were set, you know, like you'd be getting all these big checks and stuff. I just didn't I think that was like for three months in New York. In the <laughs> yeah, I know. And that was actually like the era that... <laughs> Then, like, I started hanging out with John P. It's like when everybody was getting big book deals. It's like, oh, man. Yeah. But even he wouldn't have supported that, you know. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I think he just... Um, well, the whole book deal thing destroyed a lot of folks. Did it? There's a, there a fair amount of folks that, like, got book deals and just kind of... Yeah. Buckled under the pressure. Right, yeah. Yeah, I can't... Uh, I would probably deal with it pretty well because I'm pretty good. I'm pretty great. But uh, I think that I think, <laughs> I think you, you, of lesser stock would have crumbled. <laughs> <laughs> Hear that, uh, New York publishers? Check yeah, out those fuck, guns on. Uh, yeah, who on wants Noah to there? Joseph Smith book with me? Give me a call. There we go. Let me get an agent. <laughs> it's yeah, so I weird. think that that was good. John P. just like always made sure that I didn't that I knew exactly what I was getting into and, and, and made sure that my comics weren't so awful. He was the one who told me to, to publish uh, Abbey road, that this comic I did for Blamo. And like, then that comic became like one of my most popular things. It was like in the best American comics and stuff. Like, cause I, when I did that, it was so different from anything else I had done. And I was like, Oh, I don't know. This is kind of weird. And then he was at my apartment and I was like, will you read this comic? And then he read it and I was like, what do you think of that? He's like, it's really good. It's really good. You should keep going in that direction and stuff, you know? He was really good. He's a he was a guiding force. Why were you so uncomfortable with that one? Because like because it was just different. It was like kind of it, it like I'd never done anything like that, and I wasn't sure like why did I just do this? It just felt really weird. But I mean, that's it was like natural. It was like just the way it was like I was like learning how to be a storyteller for the first time instead of just like drawing another comic about like here's me in the future. Like look at me, I'm like a homeless guy or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. It was just a really strange kind of leap that just happened, and it was uncomfortable, that's all. Yeah. I think uh, it's a good leap, though. Yeah, me too. I'm really happy that it went that way. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't just continue doing these awful autobiocomics that were fake. 
Well, that's the thing. I wouldn't be interested in in chatting if yeah, if I didn't. (laughs) If it was like, you know, the same amount of comics, but all just Blamo Six. Um, you know, God bless that stuff at the time, but it shows. Yeah, totally, man. I know. I mean, it shows maturing and the fact that you. Yeah. Are you uh, while you're at the CCS school? the Center for Cartoon Studies, are you going to take part in any of the classes? And Yeah, I'll be, um, I'm, I'm planning on auditing all of them, because I, I need a lot of that schooling, you know? If I can, like, get somebody to teach me how to draw, like, a human body properly, I'm, I'll be thankful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I know what my weaknesses are, and I'm, I'm, I'm planning on working on them all. That's pretty awesome that you can get that opportunity. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, man. I, I applied for it in the winter, and I was just like, I wrote to James Sturm, like, hey, man, because I applied for it a couple of years ago and I didn't get it. And then this year I was in Denver and it just felt like it was just time to get out of here. Yeah. And I just needed an opportunity or I needed something to to pull me out of here so I didn't feel like I was just going to show up in some new city with nothing to do. And so I I wrote to uh, uh, James Sturm and said, like, well, I want to apply for the fellowship again this year and stuff. And, and, you know, basically just like, it was like, remember me? Like, I applied back in the day and stuff. And then, yeah, and then, like, he gave me a call. I was like, I just want to make sure you're not crazy. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I mean, I still don't know if it's a good idea. We'll see. <laughs> I think it's a great idea, honestly, oh, if, you, so. if you want to take from the experience. And, and I'm getting that from your work where... Um, you're kind of in a in a in a spot right now where you kind of need to like shit or get off the pot. Yeah, that's true. Right I mean, yeah, I'm I'm ser- like I'm not going anywhere. Like I'm, I'll be in comics forever until I die. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just gonna keep doing what I do, and eventually I'll be like a part of like that older generation of cartoonists. You know, I mean that's my dream is to be like someone like John Porcelino. You know, especially like he's. An older cartoonist has been around for a long time, and he's really respectable. I, I want to do that too, you know. Do you think you'll go back to Denver after that, or do you want to? I, I don't want to say never, but I I don't I just don't I can't imagine doing that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I don't want to burn any bridges or anything. But I would have to have a like some amazing opportunity out here to come back. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I'd just rather find some cheap place in the Midwest, you know, and just like have a better life and not have to live in a basement apartment again. Yeah. It sounds like it's pretty getting excruciatingly. Oh, it's, it's just, it's horrible, man. It's so it's, it's weird. It's kind of heartbreaking too, to see the city change so fast and they're, they're pushing you out of it. They don't, you know, they want rich Californians here. You know, they want, they want wealthy entrepreneurs in the town. They don't want poor people anymore. How much has the legal weed affected things there? It's a, it's been enormous, man. It's been a huge change. It's been pretty devastating. It's that's all it is. When you walk around, it's just it's just weed everywhere, you know. It's just people smoking weed, and you can just smell it coming out of people's houses. And there's people hula hooping on their lawns. You know, it's just a bunch of hippies everywhere. It's crazy. It used to be in Colorado. It was like Boulder was like the hippie town, and mm-hmm. Denver was like more of like this like old west kind of cowboyish scene. And then now, ever since they legalized weed, it's just like, it's all hippies. It's just all about, like, they have big, like, murals of, like, Jerry Garcia and stuff. It's terrible, man. I mean, if you're into that stuff, it's great. I'm not actually into that stuff, so I don't like it. But you did uh, have some edibles recently. I did, and I'll never do that again. (laughs) That destroyed you? That was the worst night of my life, man. (laughs) Because that stuff is so dangerous. You don't know what you're taking. You don't know how high the dose is. It's just somebody handing you what you think is candy. I had three little gummies, man. And it was it was awful. And, I, and then ever since I did that comic and posted it, everybody has been having, they've been coming forward like, dude, I had the same experience. That stuff is really scary. It's not like smoking weed at all. Weed is a mellow, nice thing, you know. Edibles are scary, man. You like lose control of yourself. I, for someone who lives in, you know, one of the weed capitals of That's right. America, yeah, yeah. I've never actually smoked marijuana or consumed edibles. You don't even need to. I mean, no. I'm, I'm not even interested in it. I like drinking. I like 
drinking a beer or like drinking some beer and getting slowly drunk and just talking to people and having a good time. I don't, I don't like weed because it just doesn't, it doesn't affect me in a good way. It makes me like just want to sit still and not do anything. And I don't like that feeling. Now, one of the other things uh, you've been talking about on the old tweets is uh, you've been watching the Marvel movies. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I was joking on Twitter that we'll discuss that, but I kind of do want to talk about it. Okay, let's do it. Uh, what, what's been, what, what draws you into watching them? Um, well, I go see every summer blockbuster movie. I remember I took a cab one time with Gary Groth and Dash Shaw. And their movie tastes are like really high quality. They like watch like a lot of like really great art films, and they they would probably turn up their noses at like awful summer blockbuster movies. Mm-hmm. I'll watch anything. Like I love all movies. There's like an art theater next to my apartment that I go to a lot, and then I'll also go down to the just like the mall and and watch whatever is going on. And I just I just love that stuff, especially in the summer when it's hot, you know. And I I just don't care and. uh yeah, I don't know. So I'll, I'll see. I love those movies because it's just fun. It's like eating candy, you know. I had uh, Craig Thompson once give me uh, a hard time for my love of Piranha 3D. <laughs> he doesn't like that, huh? <laughs> surprise, surprise. The yes. uh, author of Blankets is not into uh, Piranha 3D. <laughs> um, so what's been your favorite of the, uh, of, of the Marvel Marvels? Yeah. Oh, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy is the best one. Yeah. That's a really good one. Ant-Man was uh, it was all right. I, I, people seem to like it a lot. I thought it was okay. I didn't think it was that great. It's an origin story. Origin stories are always really boring. Mm-hmm. That's why I haven't watched uh, any of the recent Spider-Man movies. I know. It's just how many times are you going to tell us that story? Enough. Or the same with Batman. It's like, all right, everybody knows how Batman became Batman. We don't have to see that shit anymore. I think that's why they're doing old Batman. Yeah, but even then, they still have a flashback where it shows why he became Batman. Didn't you see the trailer, dude? I didn't have it memorized. <laughs> Maybe I was too sucked into the uh, Suicide Squad trailer. Oh, that looks that's gonna be a piece of shit. No way is that gonna be good. No. I, I I'm uh I'm pretty disappointed with all the DC offerings. Every, yeah, it's true, everybody says that. I see I um I never know anything about the comics or the characters. So I always uh, have to like go on YouTube and like watch some like mojo superhero story thing you know like mo you know mojo it's like some like channel on youtube and they do like a lot of like lists but they also do like a lot of like superhero origins they'll tell you like about all the heroes and who they are and stuff so you understand what's going on so that's the only way because i've never i've never really read any superhero comics i was never into that stuff so you're not missing much yeah it's just not for me (laughs) just not into it every time i've Anytime I've ever been like, you know what, maybe I should get into this stuff, and I'll I'll ask some like comic book nerds like, what what should I read? What's a good superhero comic that's gonna get me into superheroes? And like, you should watch like, or you should read uh, the Killing Joke or something. And then I read it, and I'm just like, what is this? <laughs> I think this the doesn't thing resonate is, with me. I don't know why. Maybe you had to like read it when you were 15. I understand that. That's probably true. It's the same with like Star Wars. Like I love Star Wars, but you can't get an older person into Star Wars. Yeah, no. they had to have seen it when they were a kid, and I saw Star Wars when I was like eleven years old. So that's like the prime age to see something like that. It like captures your imagination. I remember I dated a girl when I was a teenager who um, never watched Star Wars. Surprise! And uh, I think it affected our relationship because I lent it to her, and she wouldn't. She never got around to watching it. She was like, "Ew, what do you think God. I?" Not even, just kind of like, eh, I'm not going to bother. Like, yeah, that's kind of how I feel about superhero comics. I just can't, I'm just not interested, you know? Does that make me a selfish person, Noah? You're a selfish lover. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's something else entirely. I don't think I've dated any girls that like Star Wars, you know? I would never, I think I would be too embarrassed to even watch Star Wars with a girl. Well, this was 17-year-old Robin that worked at a comic store, so. Oh, okay. Well, she should have known. Should have watched that stuff already. Yeah, low points in my life. Let's just say that. Um, any thoughts on the most recent Avengers? Uh, let's see. Pretty stinky. Yeah, it it kind of was a a video game. It's, the thing is, I saw it and then I went and saw Mad Max like the next day, 
And mm-hmm. after I saw Mad Max, I was like, wow, Avengers sucks. Yeah. Mad Max was incredible. And then you compare that to Avengers, and it was like, it just seemed like a video game. So that kind of wrecked it for me, honestly. Mad I Max saw- is incredible. I don't even know how they could get something like that done in this day and age. Didn't they do it over like 10 months in a desert or something stupid? Yeah, and how did he have so much creative control? I just, I'm like, how did he get away with this stuff? I feel like there would be like some producer or somebody in a suit saying like, hey, let's add this, let's do this instead. Yeah. But no, it's just like his vision, and that's like a beautiful thing, you know. I really liked it a lot. I, I'm, I, I actually watched it twice. Once Me too. in the theater at like 10 a.m., and then... At home with my girlfriend. Cause oh, seen it. legally, huh? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that's a movie theater movie, though. You can't see that on a computer. It wasn't on the computer. It wasn't. Huh? You had it streamed no. onto your computer, onto your TV. Yeah, it was like I have a setup. Yeah. Now the FBI is listening, and I'm gonna go to jail. <laughs> you've, you've, Her, you've out what about? Manila. Did you watch uh, the Lost World? Not yet. Or not Lost World, Jurassic World. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you were talking about. Is this? Is it any good? Uh, it's like fun to watch. It's not a good movie though. No. That's kind of what you expect though. I I think maybe I'm getting Chris over Chris Pratt. Really? Maybe. I yeah, don't know. I see that he's kind of weird, man. Right? Because you could see him like at a sports like a sports bar somewhere drinking with his bros. Yeah. Imagine him as being like that kind of guy. Yeah, and I already live in the suburbs, so I see that. A lot already. Yeah, that's rough. Yeah, there's a lot of bros. Yeah, I hate that a stuff. Lot, a lot of people with skulls on their shirts and rhinestones. And you should like that, man. You like Ed Hardy. I like it ironically. I'm not <laughs> allowed to wear it. Um, <laughs> but anyone comes across Ed Hardy vodka, I would like a bottle. What? This a vodka? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's not cheap though. Uh, I, I uh, saw it once, and the next time I went back, they didn't have it, and I saw it somewhere else, and it was like $70 or yes. $80. And th- the best part, it was it was next to a bottle of Donald Trump vodka. Uh, like, which is worse? Yeah, what's this country coming to? Oh, you're not even living in... <laughs> you're not even American. <laughs> this I'm in is Canada. This a problem. Yeah. Well, Noah, thank you for uh, uh, entertaining me. And okay. coming and talking about your work. I'll um, see you in uh, 2018. You think so? That'll be the next episode I'm on. What, what will we, we be talking about in 2018? Uh, probably Joseph Smith. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get deep Mormon. Yeah, we'll probably get into some Mormon stuff. All right. Uh, thank you so much, Noah. Thanks a lot. Breathing it out, breathing it out.
We'll be living in our 